Please turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, we're going to be considering a prayer for forgiveness. Daniel chapter 9, a prayer for forgiveness and looking at the first 19 verses of chapter 9. Before we do that, uh, it's time for a recap. Since we're going through a whole series in Daniel, we need to have this reminder of what's been going on thus far. If you cast your minds back all the way to the first chapter of the book of Daniel, it started with King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon besieging Jerusalem and conquering Judah. We read about a young Jew by the name of Daniel and his three companions, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, being taken into captivity and being trained up over a period of three years in the language and wisdom of the Babylonians. And then after that three years, they entered into service for the king of Babylon, those three young Jewish men. That all happened about 605 BC. However, now that we have reached chapter 9, time has moved on and according to verse 1, it is the first year of the reign of King Darius the Mede who conquered the Babylonians. We're going to read these verses shortly, but time has moved on. You'll recall the details in chapter 5, with the last of the Babylonian kings, Belshazzar, who was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar, he was hosting a party, toasting his pagan gods with wine in the golden goblets that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Anyway, fingers appeared and those fingers wrote a message on the wall. No one could understand it. And the queen came into the the party and she suggested getting Daniel. Daniel by now was an old man. It would seem that he was retired from service. Certainly King Belshazzar didn't seem to know who Daniel was, although Daniel had figured prominently um, before Belshazzar's time. Daniel was brought and he interpreted the message on the wall. It was God's judgment on Belshazzar and on his kingdom. And that same night, King Belshazzar was slain and Darius the Mede conquered Babylon. Today we shall consider Daniel's close walk with God as seen in his study of the word of God and in his prayer life. I'm going to read chapter 9, the first 19 verses. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, 
O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. To the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he have confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us (coughs) a great evil, for under the whole heaven have not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore have the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renown, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem and thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate, for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear upon thine eyes and behold our desolations 
and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Uh, That's a prayer, isn't it? That's a real good example of prayer there. Crying out to God for forgiveness. Well, first of all, we can consider Daniel's study of the word of God. Just look again at verse 2 there. Verse 2 in chapter 9. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. We can safely say that Daniel did not have a smartphone Bible app, neither did he have a nice leather-bound Bible. The Bible hadn't been compiled at that time in history. Even so, carefully preserved scrolls that would one day be used to produce the Bible under divine guidance were available. And Daniel was reading from one of those scrolls. He was studying the prophecy of Jeremiah. What Daniel was reading, we also have. The book of the prophet Jeremiah. And it's just three books back from the book of Daniel. Daniel may well have even heard the preaching of Jeremiah in Jerusalem when he was just a young boy. However, by the time we get to uh, chapter 9 here, chapter 9 and verse 2, Daniel would have been well into his 80s as he read the prophecy of Jeremiah and as he considered the 70 years of desolation or ruination of Jerusalem that Jeremiah had predicted. At this point, it is well to remind ourselves who Daniel was. Like like Jeremiah, Daniel was also a prophet of God. And he was one who had already received revelation from God, direct revelation in at least two visions that we've been considering in our series from the book of Daniel. Concerning the rise and the the fall of future mighty empires, including evil powers that would exalt themselves to the height of God and persecute God's people. You remember those visions, one of them were the four beasts that rose up from out of the, the, the great sea. That was one of the visions that we considered. And there was another vision that Daniel had. First of all, he saw uh, a ram, and then he saw a goat. And the ram represented the Medes and the Persians, and then the goat after that, which uh, represented the Greek Empire. Daniel saw these things. He was given these revelations by Almighty God. He was very much a prophet in his own right. But also he received revelations that would have comforted and encouraged not only himself, 
but also all of the Lord's redeemed and persecuted people, revelations of one like the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Ancient of Days, God the Father, gave an everlasting kingdom to, a kingdom that would not pass away. And at this point, it's a great comfort to us, isn't it, when we read these things in the book of Daniel and we think of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has no end. It is a kingdom that is forever. It will not be destroyed and that kingdom will be the inheritance of all who belong to Jesus What I want to emphasise and impress upon you is that even though Daniel received all that direct revelation from God, he still studied the word of God. Even as a wise old man in his 80s, he studied the word of God. We see that in verse 2. I, Daniel, understood by the books. He was reading the word of God. How very different that is to a friend of mine who was, I would think, about probably in his 40s, and he was employed in full-time missionary work. I've spoken about him before, haven't I? That man, he explained to me that having read his Bible several times, he no longer felt the need to read it. Again, this is someone who was employed in full-time missionary work. He no longer felt the need to read his Bible. I was utterly staggered. I was astonished by that admission. I cannot for the life of me get my head round any professing Christian imagining that he no longer needs to read the word of God. doesn't matter who that Christian might be, whether he's a pastor, an evangelist, a Sunday school teacher, a Christian parent supposedly raising his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord or or perhaps just a, a Christian who's got no teaching responsibility whatsoever. I once heard years ago that not all people are theologians but all Christians not I've got this wrong not all theologians are Christians but all Christians are, or at least ought to be, theologians. All who are Christians ought to be studying the word of God. All who belong to Jesus ought to be reading his word to find out more and more about him. And my question to any of you who profess faith in Jesus, yet rarely, if ever read the Bible for yourself, is how and when does God speak to you? I'd be fascinated to hear your answer. And if you try to tell me that he just does, he just speaks to you, then I will remind you that Daniel still read the word of God even though he was a prophet of God who received direct revelation from God in his dreams. And in Re- he still read the word of God. Dreams and visions, but he read the word of God as well. What Daniel read in the prophecy of Jeremiah as an old man in his 80s was so significant that it is recorded for us, for our spiritual benefit, here in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel. 
And likewise, every one of you who professes faith in Jesus and you therefore consider yourself to be a child of God should be listening to God as you regularly read the Bible, read your Bible and then even when you are old, you will, like Daniel, inevitably unearth some truth in the scriptures that maybe you just haven't read before. Or you've read, because you've read the Bible from cover to cover several times, but maybe it's just never struck a chord before. And I'm sure that's happened to you as much as it's happened to me. I don't know how many times I've read certain scriptures and then one day, wow, it just hits me in a way that it hasn't hit me before. And then I'd share it with others and maybe it might have that kind of effect on them as well. Or maybe they'll look at me with a deadpan expression. At least for that, for the time being. I don't know. Secondly, Daniel prayed in line with God's will. According to verse 2, let's have a look at verse 2 again. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So that's what Daniel was reading there in the prophecy of Jeremiah, that God would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of of Jerusalem. We can read what Jeremiah said for ourselves. What Daniel, the old man, was reading there, let us now read for ourselves. All you have to do, stick your finger in Daniel chapter 9 and turn back three books, turn back to Jeremiah chapter 25. This is what I, one of the many things I love about the book of Daniel how it connects with other books of the Bibles. And what that Daniel was doing there, we're now doing. Right, Daniel, uh, rather, Jeremiah chapter 25. I'll read from verse 4. And the Lord hath sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, Turn ye again now every one from his evil way, and from the evil of your doings, and dwell in the land that the Lord have given unto you and to your fathers for ever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them, and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. Yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, to your own hurt. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, and against the inhabitants thereof, and against all these nations round about, and will utterly destroy them, and make them an astonishment, and an hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of myrrh, and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, 
the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years and it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation saith the Lord for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. So you, you can see Jeremiah, he was predicting that Babylon, Babylon, the Babylonians would come from the north and they would conquer all these lands and amongst those lands would be Judah and the Jews because they hearken not unto the Lord. Those verses, they speak of Israel's idolatry, of God sending his prophets to the people with a message of repentance, of the people not hearkening to the Lord, and consequently of God giving notice to Judah that he would send Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing until 70 years had passed. We've got the number of years there in the prophecy of Jeremiah, 70 years. Daniel would no doubt have done some elementary arithmetic and worked out that starting from when King Nebuchadnezzar seized Jerusalem during the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, back in chapter 1 there, 70 years had almost come to an end. What he did not do was sit back in his rocking chair with his feet up, looking at his pocket watch and saying to himself, any minute now and God will deliver the Jews and he will return them to Jerusalem. We can see precisely what effect the sure promise of God had on Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 verses 3 and 4. Let's go back to chapter 9 of Daniel Verse 3 and 4. So Daniel's been reading about this, the 70 years of desolations, and now he's, he's, what does he do? Verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant of mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. That marked the beginning of 16 verses of Daniel praying to the Lord that he would bring to pass the deliverance of the Jews in accordance with what was spoken of by the prophet Jeremiah. You can't go wrong if you pray that the Lord will do that which he has said he will do. As can be seen with Daniel in our passage, even though he had just read Jeremiah's prophecy about the deliverance of the Jews upon completion of 70 years of Babylonian captivity, he nevertheless prayed precisely for that deliverance. In order to pray in accordance with God's will and in order to pray that God will deliver on what he has said he will do, you clearly need to know God's will in the first place. 
And you need to know what God has promised in the first place. That can only happen if you are someone who reads and studies the word of God, just like Daniel did. Otherwise, how do you, how can you pray that God will deliver on that which he has said he will do, if you don't even know it in the first place? Spurgeon once cried out for a generation of Daniels, declaring, Oh, that you studied your Bibles more. Oh, that we all did. How we could plead the promises. How often we should prevail with God when we could hold him to his word and say, Fulfill this word unto thy servant, whereon thou hast caused me to hope. Oh, it is grand praying when our mouth is full of God's word. For there is no word that can prevail with him like his own. So much there to be said for biblical prayer, isn't it? Thirdly, Daniel prayed in sackcloth and ashes. We're not going to look at Daniel's prayer in great detail. However, suffice to say that Daniel's attitude of heart was clearly one of contrition and repentance. Just look at verses 3 through to 5 again. I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts precepts, and from thy judgment. Not only would the soon-to-come deliverance of the Jews from Babylon and from captivity be a fulfilment of prophecy, but so too was Daniel's call to God on their behalf a fulfilment of prophecy. Daniel's prayer. Even that was a fulfilment of prophecy. Sorry, but I'm going back to Jeremiah again. Jeremiah chapter 29. I don't know if Daniel realised this, that he was fulfilling prophecy here, when he, in his sackcloth and ashes, praying as he did. But look at Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 10. Okay. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. That's where we left off a few minutes ago. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away. 
Can you see all of this? The, the captivity in the first place of the Lord. 70 years captivity of the Lord. Daniel knew that. He knew that um, he'd read it there in the prophecy of Jeremiah that uh, the, the, the captivity would be for 70 years and then there'll be deliverance. But also this prayer crying out to God at the end of the 70 years, that also, it's all of the Lord. And so what Daniel, Dan, uh, Daniel was being biblical in his prayer. Everything was according to God's perfect plan. Those verses speak of God returning the Jews to their homeland in response to penitent prayer being made to him. And that's precisely what we have in Daniel chapter 9. Note that Daniel did not just acknowledge the sins of the people in his prayer. He confessed his own sin as well. It couldn't be clearer in Daniel chapter 9 verse 5. He said... We have sinned and committed iniquity. In verse 6, he said, Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. And in verse 10, he said, Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Dear Christian, praying with a repentant heart and confessing your sins is thoroughly biblical. And it is what Daniel was doing, even though you will not find a more godly man than Daniel anywhere in the Bible, apart from the man Christ Jesus, who is without sin. I hope I said that clearly. And do not imagine that Daniel was simply humouring God with his confession of sin, because I think we can do that. We're deceitful enough to do that. A little, um, almost saying, a little sorry to God without really meaning it. This was literally sackcloth and ashes with Daniel. On the outside and, and no doubt in his heart as well, sackcloth and ashes. <clears throat> he meant every word of his prayer. It was genuine repentance coming from the mouth and heart of a broken man, a repentant man. Dear Christian, are you any better than Daniel? When did you last come to your Heavenly Father in prayer, confessing your sins? And if you have done so in recent times, was it out of some kind of religious duty, or because you really were repentant for something that you thought, or said, or did, or some omission on your part. Of all the people in the world, it is only the born-again Christian who is truly repentant before God. I don't know who else would be truly repentant before God. Isn't that how we become Christians in the first place? Through repentance and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance towards the, the, one, the one true God. And that's not a one-off thing, is it? We see it with Daniel. That godly man Daniel, repentance from him. And a prayer of confessing the sins of the people and his own sins. 
And that's how it is from, from the time that someone first believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, first believing that Jesus was wounded for his transgressions, bruised for his iniquities, right up until the time that that person dies and goes to be with the Lord, which is far better. We have the example of King David, who was an Old Testament believer and a man after God's own heart, who, we I read Psalm 32 earlier, that prayer of confession, before, Daniel, uh, before David confessed his sins to the Lord, his bones waxed old through his roaring day and night, and his mouth was like the drought of summer. Again, maybe you've been there, Christian. I'm talking to the Christians here. Where the sin has weighed heavily upon you and then you've got the hand of God weighing heavily upon you as your conscience accuses you. And that sin, it impacts on you in every way, every conceivable way. But then, we go before the throne of God, don't we, Christian? And we confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's how it is. I've just described what it is to be a Christian. But that begs the question, is there anyone in here who has not yet confessed his or her sins before Almighty God? God who is merciful and full of grace. I, I, you hear this from me every week and I mean it every time. And I'm not asking you to put your hand up or anything but I am pleading with you to do something about it. Christians, if there's something weighing heavily upon your heart, some kind of sin, do something about it. Cry out to God. He will hear your cry. Most certainly he will. But I'll finish by speaking directly to the person who has not yet come before the throne of God's grace. There's nothing complicated. You can read about uh, a, a sinful man standing in the temple in, in the Gospels. He simply said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he went home justified, trusting in Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And that's it. And from then on, you seek God's grace to live a life for his glory. As you look unto Jesus, the one who saved you by his grace, and you follow Jesus until such time he takes you to be with him. Amen.